One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right. Good day, everybody. Welcome back to School of the Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to talk today, uh, continuing in our series on apostolic DNA, and uh, we're going to jump uh, really deeper, I think, into distinguishing between life and death and how Jesus distinguished whether a church, a group of people was alive, right? When Jesus walked into synagogues um, or Jesus interacted with people, he discerned whether or not people were drawn to him spiritually or whether they pridefully stood on what they thought they knew, right? Um, And so, um, you know, we're going to, I want to start out, I think, by talking uh, really about, um, I'm getting some questions about, you know, do you believe the Bible? Um, And absolutely, I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible was 100% true. Um, What I do believe um, and what I want to address in a deeper manner today is that the way Jesus walked in the power of the Holy Spirit um, was completely different than what a cessationalist walks by, right? A cessationalist believes that the gifts of the Spirit, the voice of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, all that died somehow miraculously when the original apostles died. And that's just a... That's just a stupid theory. I don't even know how else to put it. That's just a stupid, stupid theory that justifies powerlessness. And it's actually, I believe, um, one of the most prevalent doctrines of demons that is, um, you know, actually accepted in, in a lot of mainstream denominational churches today in America. And um, the reality is this. The Bible, I believe the Bible is 100% true. I believe the Bible consists of books um, where the Spirit of God was speaking, and it's documented, and um, you know, it's it's a situation where uh, it doesn't really um, matter if God is true or not. It depends on how man positions himself to depend on the Holy Spirit, or they don't. Okay, and um, I want to go back uh, to kind of set the tone of what we're going to talk about. I want to jump into. Uh, John 5, 38, 39, and 40, because this is a very foundational element of you becoming supernatural um, and positioning the Holy Ghost in its rightful place, which is your relational connection to the kingdom, to the Father and Jesus, um, and knowing why the threefold Godhead, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Um, the extension of the kingdom of heaven to earth so that you can be engulfed or immersed, baptized in the Spirit continuously, is the Holy Spirit Himself. And so the form of you worshiping God on earth is to know the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so in in John uh, 5.38, Jesus is in this interaction with the Pharisees, and these Pharisees... 
Um, you know, these are the guys that knew the Bible, right? They knew what God said in times past. They knew what God said to Abraham. They knew what God said uh, in the book of Genesis at the beginning. They knew Leviticus. They knew the priesthood concepts. They had to memorize all this stuff, right? They knew what God had said in the past. Um, but when Jesus showed up, they thought he was the enemy. They thought he was an imposter. They thought he was the bad one. And Jesus says these words in John 5.38. He says, You have not His Word or His thought living in your heart because you do not believe Me um, and adhere and trust to Me and rely on the Father who sent Me. Right? So Jesus is actually saying, You do not have His Word in you. You memorize Scripture, but you do not have His Word. Right? His word, what Jesus is referencing here is, you can't hear God, you can't hear my voice. Okay? Jesus in no way is relegating the Bible as a false thing. He's not saying anything um, about the Bible not being true. He's actually indicating that the Pharisees are not spiritual. They are not alive in the Spirit. They actually... Um, and this is a very crucial thing to discern whether a church is alive because just because a guy claims to have a call of God, just because a church uses the Bible as a reference tool um, to actually preach um, what what's called today as the Word of God doesn't mean they actually know the Word, right? Because Jesus, in this interaction, Jesus is revealing that He's a relational God. He's, he's revealing that if... If the Pharisees were spiritually alive, they would discern that Jesus is coming in the power of the Spirit and they would hear the voice of the Spirit. Jesus was talking by the voice of the Spirit, right? The sword of the Spirit. Um, that's what's referenced in Ephesians 6.17. He's talking about the rhema, the voice, the dream of the Lord, the now word. What is God saying right now? Okay? The Pharisees knew what God said in times past. Jesus was walking in the power of the Spirit and speaking according to the voice of God present. Two distinct things. And only one makes you alive. Okay? Only one of those makes you alive, and that is the Holy Ghost. And that is why Jesus was so profoundly adamant that the original apostles and the 120 that stayed in the upper room... Um, they waited until they were made alive in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon the apostles and they no longer think or act in any manner the way they used to, which was they acted like chickens, they were afraid, they made false vows. Oh yeah, Jesus, I'll never disown you, I'll never deny you, I'll, I'll never do this, I'll never do that. And then on the night of the crucifixion, they all run away. Not one of them stays, right? Other than John standing at the cross and watching Jesus die. But on the night of the crucifixion, they all ran away. Okay? But on something changed on the baptism of the Holy Ghost Day, right? What we call Pentecost. And these 120 people poured out of the upper room into the street, literally intoxicated in the power of the Spirit. And they... They released heaven on earth because they were spiritually alive. Okay? They reflected the way Jesus walked on earth. Jesus was spiritually alive as, as, as symbolically when he went to the River Jordan and was baptized. The dove rested on Jesus, right? It was a symbol of being baptized in the Spirit. Okay? 
And that's what Jesus valued so much. That's what made Jesus alive. He heard the voice of God continuously. Okay? And in this in this interaction with the Pharisees in John 5.38, Jesus is mocking these guys. Okay? He's saying, I don't care how much scripture you have memorized. You are not spiritually alive. You're dead, guys. You're dead. You can't prophesy. He's saying you can't discern the dream of the Lord, the voice of God and what He's saying in this moment. You can't discern that I'm standing in front of you. Okay? And I'm the God, I am the Son of God. Right? And that's exactly what Jesus says in, in, in verse 39. He says, You search and investigate and pour over Scriptures diligently because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. And these Scriptures testify of Me. He's, he's saying that the Bible with the Spirit points to Jesus. Okay? The living Christ. The one who interacts with you face to face in a relationship. In verse 40, Jesus says this. He says, And still you are not willing, but refuse to come to Me, so that you might have life. So Jesus is very clearly saying, I don't care how much Scripture you guys have memorized. You're obviously deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually. Okay? And so... Um, they were blind to know who Christ was. And, you know, <clears throat> this is a very deep and touchy subject. Um, man, I get more emails over this revelation and this um, this spiritual position than any other thing. Even, even over, uh, you know, casting out demons, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, those seem to be topics that although they're spiritually charged, somehow... Um, you're either alive or dead spiritually when you're baptized. When when a person gets a revelation that, um, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're alive, they they suddenly look back right and they say, "Oh my gosh, why did I think like that? Why? What was I thinking?" But one of the most ingrained cultural things um, is this: in our churches in America, in the last fifty to hundred years. It has been beat into people's head. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Well, tell me where the Bible fits in the Godhead. Okay? Tell me where the Bible fits in the Godhead. The Godhead consists of the Father, the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, who, who desire to relate to you face-to-face, -face, interact with you. Okay? to impart to you their dream and their vision for your life. So where is the Bible in the whole relational dynamic? Okay? You've got, you've got to realize, and, and listen guys, the Lord took me to, through seasons of reading the Bible, pouring over Scriptures. Um, the Lord would wake me up in the middle of the night, and I mean, people ask me, how do, we, how do you know the Bible so well? How do you just start preaching and the Bible comes out of you? Well, I spent about, I would say, five years with Jesus literally waking me up almost on a nightly basis and taking me to specific scriptures. And it would be like a mushroom cloud would go off in front of me as, as, as revelation um, and impartation happened as the Lord taught me what certain scriptures really meant and what He was trying to reveal to me. And so the Bible has a very um, tender place in my life. It has a very high value in my life. But it would be foolish of me to say I worship the Bible and I, I call the Bible the Word of God. When Jesus in this very scripture in John 5.38 says you do not have His Word because the Word 
the, right? The, like we talked about this last time. The name of Jesus is the Word. In, in Revelation um, 19, verse 11 through 15, the description of Jesus, right? The, the eyes of fire, robe dipped in blood, many crowns on His head, riding a white horse with a sharp two-edged sword coming out of His mouth. And His name, the Word, is written on His thigh. Okay? And so, the Word is a person, guys. The Word is a person. And so, what would have happened over the last 50 or 100 years if pastors were truly alive in the Holy Spirit and led people to pray and worship in the power of the Holy Spirit? Spending time in the Spirit, listening for the, being taught to discern the voice of the Spirit instead of religiously being beat on to read your Bible. Because here's the deal, guys. You can read your Bible all day long. But if you don't um, read the Bible in relationship with the Holy Spirit as the Spirit um, reveals the intent of the Bible, you will have what we have today in America, which is hundreds of denominations. You know what a denomination is? A philosophical difference in interpretation of a scripture. Okay? And you have all these ranges of, of denominational differences, anywhere from cessationalists like a fundamental Baptist who believe that the Holy Ghost somehow died and was has left the earth when the apostles died. That's absolutely ludicrous, by the way. But they absolutely are a zero Holy Spirit, 100% reliant on Scripture um, theology. And what that does is that actually... Um, centers you away from God and the Bible becomes what you worship, okay? Because somehow you don't have a relationship spiritually to hear what the Lord is saying, so you have to rationalize Scripture. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did. And that's an extreme, and and there's hundreds of denominations that range all these variabilities um, up to the point of accepting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and even those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit struggle with many theological errors that are beaten into denominational churches. Okay, and um, I, I work with a lot of people, um, getting them delivered out of different denominational thought processes. And one of them is learning to rest in prayer. Okay, it's a strange thing for a for a fundamental Baptist, for a Church of Christ guy who everything is centered on, um, did you not sin? Did you not do this? Did you not do this? And meet all the conditions that they interpret through their eyes, uh, through the lens of sin. Did I I meet all these conditions to achieve my salvation or learning to rest once you get baptized in the Holy Spirit to pray and wait for the Spirit of God to reveal revelation through Scripture, through uh, worldly um, uh, encounters, uh, through interaction with praying for people as the Lord would lead you to Walmart to pray for a person. That's a teaching moment. That's you learning to trust in the Holy Spirit rather than you functioning religiously by simply just reading your Bible. Okay? So the only way you will learn to rest and be led um, and let the Holy Spirit lead you as the Holy Spirit releases the kingdom through you is to literally lay down Scripture um, unless the Lord is actually leading you into certain books and what and, and trusting that the Lord is going to um, reveal 
His power, His revelation to you as He speaks to you. And that's the key, guys. The Pharisees in John 5.38 had no clue who Jesus was. They actually couldn't recognize the Spirit of God. Um, and there's some things here um, that are crucial in recognize, recognizing whether you're sitting under an imposter, sitting under a dead religious thought process, or if you're truly alive in Christ and your mind is truly liberated, okay? And so, <clears throat> you know, in, in, uh, I, I find it funny, this is, this is just kind of a, just a cool thing in, in the revelation of what is happening when Jesus is bringing deliverance to the people. Um, as Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit and he's arguing with these religious guys, these Pharisees and Sadducees, these lawyers who have all the people bound in a dead religious system in the synagogue, it says in Mark 1.39 that Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue casting out demons. Why did Jesus do that? Why was Jesus going into the synagogues, the place where the Pharisee and the Sadducee ruled over the people with an iron fist, forced them to um, achieve scriptural conditions, and were powerless in liberating the people? Okay, the Pharisee had no ability to liberate the people because they had no Holy Spirit. Okay, so Jesus is actually going into the synagogues with the intent of bringing liberation to those who are religiously bound to a dead religious system. And it says he did it by casting demons out of people when he went from synagogue to synagogue. That's awesome. And you got to realize, why is Jesus going into synagogues? He has a mindset of going into a synagogue with an intent of he's going to war for the people, for the people who are bound in in prisons, in religious systems, and and brokenness and despair, um, um, bound in a system that can't heal you, can't deliver you, can't um, baptize you and give you freedom. Okay? And so why is, why is Jesus addressing demons in the whole context of, of liberating the people? Well, here's the deal. Jesus addresses the Pharisees in multiple scriptures. He calls them vipers. He says, you are of your father, the devil. Um, multiple references of that in Matthew, uh, Matthew 23. Um, more references in, in John 8.44. Um, Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil. Um, why is this important? Because Jesus is actually recognizing here, he's discerning that the liar, the demonic powers, are actually using Scripture and keeping the Holy Spirit out of the picture so that the people cannot get liberated. Okay? They're actually using Scripture to imprison people. Okay? They're using Scripture... Scripture can be looked at through two sets of eyes. One set of eyes is the liberating power of the Holy Spirit, which is sent to unveil the kingdom, right? To, to release you from prison, to release you from brokenness, to release you from dead thought processes. The exact opposite of that is the Bible has looked at a set of conditions, okay? And the conditions become prison cells, Okay? And Paul, Paul's reference to this is throughout the New Testament saying that if the Old Testament could have delivered you, there would have been no need for Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's uh, if you read the book of Galatians, if you read the book of Romans, the point of, of those books is Paul is teaching why Jesus was sent and the intent of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to liberate the people, okay? Liberating them from what? 
Well, ultimately, it's demonic doctrines that enslave people continuously. So not only does a person um, um, have to deal with personal demonic powers, they have to deal, if you walk into a church that is under the spell of a demonic doctrine that uses scripture that looks righteous, but is actually enslaving the people, for example, forced tithing, right? Um, You've heard me teach about Malachi 3, where in Malachi 3, the Lord says, uh, Do not mock me. Uh, God will not be mocked. Bring your tithe into the storehouse. Um, or essentially, you know, the picture that's presented, or you will die. Well, that was that's Old Covenant, okay? That's that's Old Covenant thought process. Uh, that's Old Covenant, Le- the Levite priest system that actually enslaves people um, into a tithing process. Why? Because it's a reflection of their heart being bound to a dead conditional system. Okay? And there are consequences of that. There's death. A death was a consequence for that. Okay? That is vastly different than in the New Covenant where Jesus came, the blood of Jesus was shed to liberate you so that you could have life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Two different things. And so... Um, you know these these thought the, these doctrines um, end up enslaving people, and they're they're they do it because of a much higher strategy um, than just a a a bunch of Pharisees with an idea and a plan on how to make money, um, how to look righteous, how to how to do these type of things that are basically uh, systems um, that reproduce powerlessness and forms of enslavement okay and um the at at the end of the day you have um an intent of religion that has uh these what i'll call principalities and powers rulers of darkness right these fallen angel concepts um that actually um are the top of the pyramid um and they they produce thought processes and um, design theologies that keep people enslaved. And once a person is enslaved in a theology with a continuous mindset, um, that becomes the house, the body becomes the house where the demonic powers have access because the mind has given itself to the enslavement of the false theology. Okay? That's completely different than when a mind, when the when the, when a person begins to mature in relationship with the Holy Spirit, their mind is actually liberated from all the conditions of false theology, and your mind is simplified in in learning to follow and rest in the voice of the Lord. When the Lord says "Go, you go," when He says "Rest, you rest." Other than that, it's not that much more complicated. You know why that's so liberating? Because demonic doctrines don't have power over people who trust the Holy Spirit. Demonic doctrines have power over people who do not know the Holy Spirit and think that the 20 conditions that they follow are going to heal and deliver them, yet they claim Jesus, who is actually... Jesus functioned in a completely different way. Jesus went to the cross to take sin uh, and death to the grave and was resurrected in the power of the Spirit and sent you the Spirit so that you could be in the same liberation. Okay? Demonic doctrines um, are, are key because ultimately behind a demonic doctrine, there's demons. 
And that's why Jesus, it says that Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue in Mark 1.39 because Jesus was casting demons out of the, out of the people um, who bowed to the demonic systems and, and theologies that enslaved them. Okay, they twisted scripture for the sole intent of, of, of enslaving the people. Okay? Just because it has a cross in the front door doesn't mean you're liberated. Doesn't mean you're free from heaviness. Doesn't mean you're free from sin. Doesn't mean you're free from a thought process of continuously having a burden and shame and all those lies. Amen? And so, there's one telltale sign of, um, you know, a demonic, a demonic enti- entity truly having a high level power in a religious organization. And that is this. Um, I'll read. I'll read Luke twenty twenty four sixty three. It says, "Now uh, the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him, and having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who struck you?' And many other things they blasphemously spoke against him. So as Jesus is being beaten, whipped, and mocked by the Pharisees after he's brought from Pilate." Um, and uh, you know they have him blindfolded, and then they're they're mocking him, and they're they're saying prophesy, right? Who who struck you? And wh- why is this important? Well, there's always a war between the demonic realm who intends to keep people far far away from knowing the voice of the Lord. Okay. There's a mockery. There's the the, de- the demons actually fear the direct voice of God. They are they actually tremble um, because the pro- the prophetic voice, the anointing of prophecy, visions and dreams, uh, words of knowledge, the power gifts of the Spirit, actually flow out of the direct voice of God. Okay, this goes back to Genesis chapter one in the beginning. Um, Right there was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. He's he's talking about Jesus, the person, the Word. He's calling him the Word. Okay, right. That's John chapter one, um, and so John chapter one is referencing what happened at the beginning, and so it says that the light, the Word, the living Christ, the Word of God, spoke out of heaven into the darkness of the earth. Okay, and the darkness did not have an answer. The darkness could not stop the light. The light overpowered the darkness. Okay? And so that's a picture of how powerful the direct voice of God is. That's what prophecy is, guys. That's what words of knowledge are. That's why your prayer life in relationship with the Holy Spirit develops such a deep knowing of Christ as His dream and His vision is dropped in your heart and you become a weapon as you release the direct voice of the Lord Okay, and the direct voice of the Lord is what causes the darkness to flee. That is what drives out the demons. That is when when um, the power of the Holy Spirit is equipped with a person, that the person walks in the power of the Spirit. They don't depend on what they know. They depend on who they know. And that, that is a very simple definition of the difference between religious bondage versus life in the Spirit. Those who live according to the Spirit are the sons of God, right? That's what Romans 8, 14, 15 talks about, um, that they live according to the voice of the Lord. They wait on the Lord, and life flows through them. But those bound in darkness actually refuse the light. They actually rely on knowledge, right? 
we talked we talked last time about the difference between knowing about Christ versus knowing Christ and that's what that was that was Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3:19 I pray that you would know him beyond knowledge the Pharisees had knowledge of a of a savior coming and a documented bible a written scriptures right but they couldn't discern Jesus because they didn't have the holy spirit amen and so Wow, I mean, what a what a deep revelation, right? I mean, ninety um, percent of churches will never get this close. You know why? Because they're led by guys who are bound by demonic powers. They're bound by the limit limiting forces of of uh, just read your Bible, okay? Just read your Bible. <laughs> just read your Bible turns. It it actually irritates me to a point of my gosh. Listen. You, you relegate the Holy Spirit as a secondary and, a, and even not even um, an element that is an importance in the kingdom. And yet you beat on people to read their Bible. The, de- the devil's not afraid of people that read their Bible. Okay, The devil trembles at somebody who hears the voice of the Lord. Because the voice of the Lord will always hunt darkness. That's the picture in Genesis 3. Those who hear the voice of the Lord are aligned with the Holy Ghost, are aligned with the living Word of Christ. They have the, the, the sword of the Lord in their tongue, and they become a weapon who hunts the darkness. Okay, that's why, that's why as, as, as Jesus is being beaten, and they're whipping Him, and they are mocking Him, and they're saying prophesy, they're actually doing everything possible to keep the prophetic voice from being released on the earth in this moment. Okay, they they fear the power of the Holy Ghost being poured out on the day of Pentecost. They literally are shaking in their boots. Okay, amen. And so as Jesus is calling um, these false leaders, serpents, brood of vipers, right? Um, you know, he's, he's revealing the fact that it not only is a bad demonic theology, that creates Bible worshipers. It's actually a demonic um, doctrine. It is, it is an intent of the demonic world to keep the power of the Holy Spirit out of the out of the heart of of those who will believe Him. Okay, so you got to wrap your head around this, right? Because here's the deal. Men produce systems and organizations that look like they have authority, right? There's a top, there's a top guy, the CEO, the church CEO, right? He he talks about what you can do and what you can't do, and what the rules of the church are, and all this stuff. Um, he looks like he's in authority, um, but here's the deal: you you've got to just because a, a a man has a position of of leadership doesn't mean he's positioned by the Lord. Okay. Moses, let, let me let's talk about this. Moses, Moses actually was a man under authority. The Lord spoke to Moses directly. He was given authorization, he was given vision, and the Lord himself actually told him to uh, anoint 70, right? To, that, that there should be a council that aligns in his vision that was given from God, and those men would flow in the same authority and vision because um, they functioned under Moses as um, those responsible for carrying the direct vision of the Lord. Okay, now 
that's a little that is a lot different that true authority would come in a scenario like that where true authority doesn't come is when a man um, who is not heard from God goes and decides to build a church goes and decides to uh, create a religious organization on his own and then he builds this this false kingdom with a bunch of controlling strategies and um, you know doctrines that enslave people um, everybody under that man is not granted the authority because there's no vision okay a man without a vision is not under the authority of the Lord and that's a very distinguishing element in terms of um, functioning in authority and power versus you know a demonic intent to enslave and get people to follow something that looks religious looks righteous but it actually isn't okay and so an example is you know a sensationalist um, I do not believe that a sensationalist theology um, is positioned by the Lord it's it's actually opposes the very fact that the Lord's design on the day of Pentecost is to pour out of his spirit pour out his spirit so that all can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and walk according to the vision of the Lord okay so you take a zero Holy Spirit um, theological position like a church of Christ that says there is no Holy Ghost there's no voice of God and therefore we worship what we call the Word of God which is the Bible okay okay they've actually replaced the 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 living Christ whose name is the Word and they because they say he's dead on the earth they actually worship the Bible and call it the Word of God okay Pat that's that's demonic that is absolutely a demonic doctrine that keeps people bound to a book instead of uh, seeking encounter seeking revelation seeking relational connection uh, with the Holy Spirit uh, cessationalists uh, is, is the same thing as the demons mocking Jesus uh, blindfolded and, and saying prophesy they you you talk to a cessationalist and they believe there's no way a man can prophesy today they believe this Holy Ghost literally left the earth and it's not possible uh, for the gifts of the Spirit and the Lord to actually speak um, through a man okay that's demonic okay and you either believe in the fullness of the Spirit or you will function in some form of powerlessness okay there's no in between okay you're either all in on the Holy Ghost and recognize the Holy Ghost as your teacher um, and the revealer of heaven the one who encounters you the one who imparts to you and even the one who reveals and teaches you the Bible which again I believe the Bible is true it just has to be positioned properly with the Holy Spirit actually being part of the Godhead that you actually walk in relationship and worship here on earth okay you get you get in the picture and so at the end of the day um, this is something I firmly believe in um, many of you will go through a, a season if you if you are coming out of a denomination you're being baptized in the Holy Spirit you will actually be led by the Spirit out into the wilderness okay and that is by design the Lord will lead you out and you have to be willing to walk away uh, from 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 people that you love people that you care for okay and it's a real thing it's, there's a there's emotional ties in situations like that 
But the reality is that the Lord can only teach you when you're willing to walk away from traditions of men and uh, powerless doctrines that actually enslave and keep you. Okay, in a, in a powerful in a in a powerless um, conditional state of, of of living, and you're not supposed to live in conditional states. You're supposed to live in the rest, in the in the peace and the rest of the Holy Spirit. Those are two different things. One gives life, one is condemning. Okay, and the purpose of of you following the Lord, of following the Holy Spirit out into the desert, into a time of being alone. Is it that's where that's where Elijah heard the voice? He heard the voice in the cave that birthed a supernatural revival in Israel. Okay, Jesus battled in the desert. Okay, using the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, and I talked about this last time. I, I still get a bunch of questions on this, um, so I'll review it again. Right, Jesus is let out. Jesus gets baptized in the Holy Spirit in uh, in in. Um, Matthew 3 and uh, the the Holy Ghost by design Matthew 3 and 4 Holy Ghost by design leads Jesus out into the desert for a battle okay Jesus knows the Holy Spirit and he obviously knows what the scripture says Satan knows what the scripture says Satan has zero Holy Spirit all Satan has is scripture and the ability to twist scripture okay John chapter, or I'm sorry, James chapter 2 says that Jesus, um, or I'm sorry, James chapter 2 says that Satan knew the scripture. He knows the scripture. He knows it better than us. Okay? And so as Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, it is not a test of Bible knowledge. It's actually a test of spiritual discernment. Okay? Satan who knows the Bible, is using the Bible to tempt Jesus in multiple times, in multiple situations, right? Satan actually says, doesn't the Bible, doesn't it say that it, you know, the Lord will send his angel to protect you lest you dash your foot against a stone, right? He's actually, he's actually testing uh, Jesus to see whether Jesus is going to bow to him, his twisting of scripture or whether Jesus is going to discern by the power of the Holy Spirit and say he's going to call him on it, right? Jesus actually calls, calls uh, Satan on his statement and, and, and basically says, you'll not tempt me, right? You'll not, you will not, just because you're quoting scripture, I have the Holy Spirit and I'm discerning that you're a liar, Satan. That's what's going on in the desert, guys. And so, at the end of uh, at the end of the three um, interactions that are documented with Satan in the desert, there's this amazing statement where Jesus says it is written, and you know a cessationalist will default to that being something that supports their theology that he's referencing the Bible, he's referencing Scripture, he's referencing maybe the you know the Book of the Psalms or or whatever. Um, I believe this. I believe that what Jesus is referencing is saying, no, Satan, you know Scripture, and so do I, but only by the Spirit can it properly be discerned. And so when Jesus is saying it, it is written, he's saying that the Holy Ghost is standing right beside me in the middle of this battle in the middle of the desert with you who's twisting Scripture trying to get me to do things that appear righteous, 
but the Holy Spirit is the one writing on my heart. And so Jesus, when Jesus says it is written, He's actually saying um, the Holy Spirit is writing continuously on the hearts of men, establishing the voice of the Lord moment by moment. And through that relational dynamic, we will dominate you, Satan. You came, you think you rule this world, but we are taking this world over because the Holy Spirit who stands with me will also stand with those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit and they will discern the way I am discerning and we will crush you in the midst of battle. That's what's going on in the desert, guys. And so it says that Jesus came out in the power of the Spirit. He didn't come out in the power of knowing Scripture. He came out in the power of knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit. He knew the Holy Spirit so profoundly that He defeated Satan who used Scripture to twist and try to enslave Jesus to get Him to worship Him. And that's what happens in our churches all over the world who are just repeating Scripture under a demonic doctrine and not using the Holy Spirit to discern if it's enslaving you. Okay? And that's a startling revelation to come to, but my gosh, if you walk into churches, you you know, one of the most amazing things when I walk into churches, the church is filled, still filled with broken people. People bound in, with demonic uh, problems, uh, epilepsy, headaches, um, you name it, man, depression, oppression, all these things litter our churches. You know why? Because the flow of the Holy Spirit isn't the most dominant, proficient thing working in the church. Okay? It doesn't take long to clean demons out of a church. If you literally bow to Jesus Christ and let Him baptize you and you get people equipped in the power of the Holy Spirit to discern the lie of the enemy and trust the vision of the Lord, you will very quickly drive demonic doctrines. You will drive powerless not powerless out of the church. You will drive unbelief out of the church. You will drive sickness out of the church. You will drive brokenness out of the church. You will drive pro- depression out of the church. Why? Because the voice of the Lord is unleashed to hunt the darkness. Okay? The voice of the Holy Ghost is a hunter-killer. He will not tolerate demonic powers. And this goes back to, to Mark one thirty-nine. Um, it says that Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue casting out demons. Okay? You have to realize powerless theology is demonically induced. It's by design to keep people powerless. And if you don't know the Holy Spirit, if you don't prophesy, if you don't dream His dream and have His vision, you are a victim. Okay? You're a victim. And so, you're not meant, you're not meant to be a victim on the earth. The point of Christ pouring out the Holy Spirit was to equip His church in a supernatural power. Something that makes demons tremble. Something that makes principalities and powers shake in their boots. Right? Ephesians 3.10 says that the manifold wisdom of God will be poured out and demonstrated by the church. Okay? The church is supposed to be supernatural. The church is supposed to hear the voice and be dependent on the voice. Not conditions and religious appearance. Okay? Powerlessness. The number one sign of, of, a, of a demonic spirit ruling a church is powerlessness. They don't fear you. 
Okay, they actually they actually come and rule the people who don't have power. Okay? Don't have power and authority. And so let's get into this revelation of the demonic world's influence on the church and how profound it is because you have to have your eyes open to the fact that um, if you're not in the power of the Holy Spirit, you are a victim of the demonic world. This world is, is Satan's unless you take it back in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? In Luke 11, um, Jesus was casting out demons. Okay? And the Pharisees come along. They start to mock Him, right? They, they, they see Him. Um, uh, Jesus is driving the demon out of the, out of the mute, uh, the, the, you know, the kid that was mute. Um, it says the crowds marveled, right? They're, they're in awe. The power of God showed up, okay, at the synagogue to drive out demons, okay? Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is sitting there, right? He's listening to all this. He's listening as the, as the Pharisees begin to mock him and degrade him, which is, it's not the Pharisees at this point, guys. It's the demons. It's the rulers of darkness. It's the spiritual host of wickedness in high places. It is, it is the principality now speaking through the lead Pharisees, mocking Jesus and actually trying to degrade him. And, and they say this in verse 15. Um, they said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Okay? Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven, but he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? So he's actually blowing up the, the demonic theology that demons are cast out by Beelzebub, right? Because Beelzebub, the prince of the demons, um, you know, if if he's casting out demons from from people, right? That's the intent of demons. They they need a house. They need a a a, a piece of flesh, a living flesh, to be housed in. Okay, and Jesus is actually blowing up their theology, and he's beginning to mock them. Okay, and so, um, and so, so Jesus goes on. In verse 19, and he says, If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Okay, Jesus is mocking these guys. Because in the Old Covenant, um, and, and, and from the perspective of how the Pharisees functioned without the Holy Spirit, they had no power. Okay, there, there is, there, they didn't cast demons out. They didn't have the power and authority to cast demons out. And Jesus reveals in verse 20, he says, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. The, the finger of God is actually a reference. It's, uh, it's referenced in multiple uh, places in the Bible as that's, that's, the, that's the reach of God on earth, which is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is, is revealing his relationship and abilities in the Holy Spirit um, in this statement. So, so he says um, in verse 20, But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Who, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. 
What does that mean? The most prolific element of the Scripture um, after the revelation that Jesus is in relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and by the Holy Spirit um, hunting demonic powers and casting them out of people, bringing liberation to the people, he says, he who is not with me is against me. That's, that's like a woe. That's like double woe. Like woe. Because the reality is this. If Jesus is saying, if you are not in the same relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're wasting your time. Okay? You're functioning in powerlessness. Okay? And the reflection of the life of Christ, Jesus actually said in John 14, um, He says, it's better if I go away because I'll send you the Helper. Okay, he goes on to say, greater works will you do as you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so the hunting of demonic powers who induce false theologies with the intent of keeping people without the Holy Spirit, keeping people without the power and the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And I'll say this, there's a lot of people that claim the Holy Spirit that don't flow in any gift of the Spirit. You don't see demons cast out. You don't see people healed. That's kind of the same thing, okay? The evidence is in the fruit. Is the Holy Ghost visible in you, in your home, in your marriage, in your life, in your church? Is the Holy Ghost visible in you? Are you casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing the supernatural? Amen? Because if it's if you're not, you're kind of functioning as a cessationalist. You can claim all day you know the Holy Spirit. But if you know the Holy Spirit, like if you listen to my stuff, man, I mean, these these encounters, right? The Lord sending me to India, the Lord sending me to a city, the Lord sending me uh, to, to go to a pastor that I've never met before and to prophesy to him, the Lord sending me um, to, to cast demons out of, out of, out of a family. Um, that's a normal supernatural life. That should be that should be everybody's life who claims Christianity, okay? And so... You know, Jesus reveals a pretty heavy statement. If you're not with me, you're against me. Okay? And and I would I would de- I would decree this that um, when Jesus is saying is if you're not with me, he's saying if you don't live on earth like me, then you're fooled. You're deceived. You're trying to talk the talk, walk the walk and make yourself look righteous and religious. Uh, when in reality, if you're casting out demons, healing the sick, and raising the dead, which is the call of Christ in in uh, in Mark 16, 15, 16, 17, and 18, um, if you are doing those things, you are like Christ. You are with Christ in relationship with the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of the Spirit, demonstrating the kingdom on earth, taking authority over demons, taking authority over principalities, taking authority over... Um, even the demons that rule synagogues, rule churches, um, to bring deliverance to the people. And that's the mentality when I go into churches, when I go into cities, when I when the Lord leads me to connect with a new group of people, guess what? I'm going to the synagogue, baby, to hunt some demons. I'm going to the synagogue um, in the power of the Spirit. They will not shut me up. They will not keep me from prophesying. They will not keep me from moving in the power of the Holy Ghost because that's what I am. That's who I am. I know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you can't convince me that those who are bound in a theological cessationalist mentality that you sit there in a pew. I mean, I, I when I walk into churches, I cry. I literally look at powerless churches 
because I look through the eyes of what I'm just teaching you right now. I'm looking through the eyes that Jesus died to send His Holy Spirit to equip the church that you would become powerful. And then you have this body of people, uh, a thousand people, two thousand people that sit in a, in a system centered on a man in a pulpit willing to go week after week never having been, uh, you know, working the power of the Holy Ghost, doing anything supernatural, yet they come week after week convinced that if they serve the quote-unquote church, that they're doing their duty. Well, that's a lie from the devil. Because you know why? Because you weren't meant to serve a man in a pulpit. You were meant to be equipped by a man in a pulpit. Apostles equip bodies of people and send them to the nations. They don't, they don't get them... And with a tolerable message that keeps people willing to come back to the same dead place and listen to a guy in the pulpit who tickles their ears and gets them all pumped up but never equips them. Okay, the ultimate call of an apostolic leader is to equip people and ultimately send people. Everybody. That's not, that's not just a couple people. That's not a guy with a title, a prophet, or evangelist. Okay, that's everybody. Everybody should be sent. You should be sent to the cleaners to deliver people. You should be sent to Walmart to deliver people. You should be sent to your uh, your your high school to deliver people, your college campus to deliver people. You should be equipped in the power of the Holy Ghost and sent. Amen? And and just to kind of go deeper into this, guys, um, you know, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 says this, now, in, now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. What does that mean? A doctrine of demon keeps people from their purpose and their calling. Every one of you have to realize you have a purpose and you have a calling. And you cannot discover that by simply reading a Bible and being willing to come back and sit in a pew week after week, month after month, and year after year, centered on what that guy in the pulpit is saying. You should be centered on what the Holy Ghost is saying. Because an apostle and an apostolic calling will equip the body to hear the voice, and the body will be voice-driven and not pulpit-driven. That pulpit is supposed to be a support structure for you. That pulpit is supposed to be an equipping, uh, strategic building and aligning centerpiece of the of the body as a whole coming together all the parts all the um all this all the um um all of all of the gifts all of the assignments all of the strategic alignment being pulled together by the apostolic anointing and equipping and leading and help help giving the body wisdom to go do your job you see, the church should be built supernaturally to go to go into the community and the church should be casting out demons. The church should be healing the sick. The church should be raising the dead. And the apostle, the centerpiece, which is the true centerpiece of the church with the prophet, they should be discerning where the Lord is leading them. Where do people need further equipped? Where do people need further organized? Um, where do they need help, Right? The purpose of the pastor should be at an apostolic anointing to equip, build, lead, and grant wisdom to a body and release the body. From day one, when they come through the doors, an apostolic anointing will give them a vision that one day they will be sent. One day they will be equipped and sent. And they come to gather for a whole different purpose 
rather than these dead church organizations that come to worship a guy in a pulpit like he's some exalted one, like he's some great supernatural being that's better blessed than the rest of you. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. Okay? And so the point, the point of this, guys, is that you were all born to prophesy. You were all born to raise the dead. You were all born to heal the sick. You were all born to do supernatural things. And this, this, these spirits that work strategically to keep the church deaf um, and dumb and powerless, um, Jesus warned, right? He said, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisee. Be, beware of the leaven of the, of the Sadducee. Beware of the leaven of, Hale, of Herod. He's talking about the political spirit. He's talking about Jezebel. He's talking about witchcraft. He's talking about powerless religious systems that enslave the people, Okay. Well, how, how does it get addressed? The first thing you do is you begin casting out demons. Okay? And I'm just to be speaking from experience. When I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, the first thing that happened in my life and the first thing that the Lord used me to do and the people around me that I got, ended up getting baptized in the Holy Ghost was, was cast out demons. I cast out demons of, from everything that moved. There were more demons cast out of me I cast, I cast demons out of me on a weekly basis as the Lord was leading me. Um, you have this witchcraft spirit. You have this, you have this pride thing. You have this. You have that. And I would, I would spend time with the Lord casting demons out. And the more demons, as the Lord got me cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and delivered all the false, false theologies of what I thought Christianity was, suddenly left. So if you're having a hard time listening to me, if you're having a hard time like wrapping, you know in your spirit something about this is real, but you can't wrap your mind around it, start casting demons out, okay? Literally start casting demons out. In the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of politics to leave me. I command the spirit of religion to leave me. I command every form of witchcraft, leave me now in the name of Jesus. Why do I say that? Because here's the deal, guys. If you read if you read the book, there's many illustrations where there's, where's this war against be, between light and darkness. The enemy will do everything possible to keep you from knowing who you are and your ability to command the devil to leave your life, to command depression to leave your life, to command powerless to leave your life, to command oppression and anxiety and fear to leave your life, because those are demonic spirits, and they they as long as you tolerate them and let them there guess what? They have a house. They have a place. Okay? And so when Jesus was saying, if you're not with me, you're against me, he's actually talking about he wants his house to his own. And the reason why he gives you the Holy Spirit is so he can ultimately, with the Holy Spirit, cleanse your house. Okay? People people say this all the time. They say, well, a Christian can't have a demon. And I say things like, yeah, right. Listen, um, you think just just because you made a mental heart decision, you said yes to Jesus, that suddenly you're absolutely 100% clean? Oh, oh, you know, even though three weeks ago you were playing with a Ouija board, okay, messing and dabbling with different forms of witchcraft, um, watching Harry Potter and playing with spells and pornography and every other thing that you've been into, you think you're suddenly naturally clean just because you say yes? That's a lie from the devil, man. Those are demonically inspired. There's no such thing as man just having his own sin nature. Okay? Man has a sin nature, but that sin nature is what houses demonic powers. Okay? 
when you are aligned in thought and action with a demon, you actually um, are, are, are with the demon. Okay, you literally are aligned with the demon. So in, in Luke 11, when Jesus says, if you're not with me, you're against me. And he who's not with me scatters. He's actually saying that your alignment in your heart with sin actually is, a, is a, an element that houses the demonic entity. Okay? And so the reason why Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit is to declare war and cleanse the house. Your body, your heart is the house of the Lord. Okay? And the Lord wants His body clean. Okay? He wants a clean bride. And so, as you are um, in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will literally start waking you up and start identifying demons and reasons for addiction and brokenness in your bloodline and witchcraft in your bloodline from a great aunt or, you know, a fifth generation um, witch that was in your bloodline and you're now paying the price for cursed because of that, of, because of what happened in your bloodline decades and, and hundreds of years ago, okay? And so you got to realize that you're in a war, okay? And, you know, this concept of the, the spirit of Jezebel, Jesus said this in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2 when he was addressing the church of Thyatira. He says, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. What's, it, what's he mean by that? He actually means that um, as Jezebel, Jezebel functioned to kill the prophetic, okay? Jezebel did two things to prophets. She either beheaded them and killed them, or she took them and castrated them and sat them at her table to, to mock them, okay? She removed their ability to reproduce. Anytime a prophet is silenced... Anytime a prophet cannot hear, anytime an apostle, a prophet, um, uh, the get, and the gifts of the Spirit are silenced in a body, in a church, in an individual or in a church, guess what? They've been castrated. They, they, they appear righteous, but they've been castrated. They don't have the ability to reproduce, okay? And that, that's a, it's a symbol of the war between the demonic world and the, their intent to silence the direct voice of God. The direct voice of God um, has to be poured out, okay? And anything that hinders prophecy, words of knowledge, the, 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 the gifts of, of, the, of discerning of spirits, healing, um, tongues and interpretation of tongues, dreams and visions, and, and the, vo the direct voice of God, guess what? That's a demonic design to keep um, the people of God enslaved in the demonic realm and to keep your body even though you claim Jesus if you are not on the offensive um, and driving out the demonic entities guess what you, you're still a victim okay you're still a victim and you've got to go through a cleansing process there's no two ways around it there's not a person alive um, there's not a Christian alive there's not a de there's not a de deliverance minister alive who suddenly just accepts Jesus and then suddenly has the ability to cast out demons and never cast a demon out of their self. That's not the way the Lord works. Every person has demonic issues to deal with. Your fight will reveal your authority, your power, and your revelation and dependence on Jesus Christ, the living voice. And, and that's why Jesus was mocking the Pharisee. They knew, they knew Scripture and they didn't know power. 
And Jesus was saying, I walk in power. I walk in the voice of God. And you, Pharisee, you're an imposter. You literally are an imposter. You look righteous. You have the, the, the Scriptures memorized. You can quote them, but you have no power because you have no relationship. And that's what Jezebel does, guys. Jezebel twists. They, they, she actually um, parades the castrated prophets those who cannot reproduce in the Spirit, they look righteous, but they have no power. They have no ability to, to reproduce. Okay, a guy in a pulpit that can't prophesy, a guy in a pulpit who cannot flow in the gifts of the Spirit and empower the people to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that guy's castrated. Okay? That guy is castrated. He's under the spell of a demonic entity who, who, who allows the appearance of righteousness but denies the power. Okay? Paul, Paul said, beware of those who deny the power. Okay? They appear righteous, but they deny the power. What is the power? The power is the voice of the Lord. The gifts of the Spirit flowing through the hearts of men and men walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the ability to reproduce. Okay? That's the power to walk into a synagogue and start casting demons out of people. And suddenly people get delivered and healed and set free and baptized in the Spirit. And they start doing it. Okay, The evidence of, of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is the impartation and ability given to those around you. Okay, That's what a true apostle is. Amen? Just because you get numbers and you can attract people from another church who are only going to stay there for three years because they get tired of listening to your junk and they go on to the next guy trying to worship a guy who says the right things to them. Okay, that's what church hopping in America is today because it's a bunch of powerless people listening to a powerless man um, who can't, who the whole system is basically brokenness upon brokenness upon brokenness. Okay, but then when you suddenly get one guy baptized in the Holy Ghost, you walk into a place, you start getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit, casting demons out of people, um, you literally look supernaturally different. Okay, you know why? Because you're, you're, you're reproducing spiritually instead of being a victim of Jezebel, a victim of a demonic doctrine that's designed to silence the prophetic voice of God. Amen. And so, you know, you know, a cessationalist will say things like this. Well, Christian can't have a devil. Christian can't have a devil. You know why they say that? Because they, they're acting just like the Pharisees as they interacted with Jesus who was casting demons out of people. Okay? They're mocking the situation. They're justifying their powerless position. They're powerless. Okay? A cessationalist Baptist preacher is a powerless guy. It's a sad state. Okay, it's a sad state. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, uh, I was preaching and praying for people in the park in Toledo, Ohio, downtown Toledo, in um, in the summer of of 2020. Okay, I'm preaching. I'm preaching one day in the park. There's people gathering. There's I don't know 75, 100 people. You know, uh, they're on walking trails and stuff. Suddenly, there's there's a bunch of people, you know, standing in front of me. We had planned some stuff, so we had some people that were going to be there anyway. Um, but people that were just walking by suddenly are standing. They're watching, right? 
And, um, you know, I, I start prophesying to people, I'm ministering to people, and I get to this one kid, and he starts to manifest. I start prophesying to him, um, he falls to the ground, he's foaming at the mouth, I'm commanding this demon to come out of him, and lo and behold, a guy sitting in a lawn chair within 10 feet of me is a Catholic priest. He's got his, he got his garb on, he's got his, his Catholic, you know, suit, whatever they call that thing on, um, and this guy, this young kid is laying there. I'm, I have my hand on his head. I'm commanding this demon to come out. I look over at this Catholic priest. He looked like he saw a ghost, man. Looks like a deer in the headlights. His eyes are big as saucers. Um, and he, he's looking at me. And, and, and I said, come here. And he's like, me? Like me? Come here? And I said, yeah, come here. I said, you know Jesus, right? You know the Holy Ghost. And he, he's you know he's in front of people now. So he, he doesn't... Uh, <laughs> He's cautious, right? He doesn't want to appear powerless. But, dude, this guy was scared to death, okay? He comes over and he says, what do you want me to do? I said, I want you to lay your hand on this guy and command this demon to come out. And, he, you know, he's shaking. He's shaking in his boots and he lays he lays his hand on this guy and um, he doesn't. He literally doesn't know what to do. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say this, but I'm thinking to myself, you lead an entire group of people and you don't know how to cast out a demon. You don't know how to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. My God, right? My God. And so anyway, this guy literally got baptized by fire, man. This guy, he's, he's sitting there. He's going, come out in Jesus' name. Come out. And I said, come on, tell it. Come out. And this kid is foaming at the mouth. He's shaking. He's crying. Um, five, ten minutes go by. This kid gets up. He's in his right mind. And anyway, you know, that priest was in shock, man. He felt the power. He couldn't deny the power. He knew that he saw and witnessed something different than he had ever ex- experienced before in his life. And that, that interaction ended up with me having coffee with a priest uh, for months. And this guy intrigued um, and ultimately embracing the Holy Spirit in a new way. Um, amen. And so, you know, the demonstration of power is something that, you know, you have you the evidence of Christ in you is not what you know it's who you know and the Lord will always use demonstrations of power to reveal the to reveal the true presence of God versus those who um, are rendered powerless and just talk about the whole situation amen and so there's a lot to digest in this guys um, you may feel like my God, I feel, I feel, I don't even know if I know Jesus, right? And hey, listen, you should feel like that. And I don't, I don't mean that in a facetious, uh, derogatory, downgrading way, but you know, Jesus asked for your life. He asked for you not to continue in the, in your own abilities and your own thoughts and, and so-called, um, power and identity. He says, whoever desires to save his life must lose it. And whoever loses it for my sake must find it. And, you know, he's asking for your whole heart. He wants your whole heart uh, for you. He wants you to say, whatever it is, Lord, I'll do it. Just show me who you really are. That I would not be a victim of a powerless um, denomination that convinces me to sit in a pew in powerlessness for the next 50 years. Um, But would be willing to follow the Lord to a desert, to a cave where the Lord Himself will teach you His voice and equip you in the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that a lot of these dead religious systems could never teach you. Amen? And, 
you know, it helps if you have a spiritual father. If you guys don't have a spiritual father that um, can lead you in this transition, I encourage you. I got people right now, you know, all over the United States, from California to New York to Florida and in between. Um, we have these, we have groups, we have church, some churches being birthed, we have groups coming out of denominational powerlessness. Um, and it doesn't take long. Um, I mean, we, we've, we've had people literally give their life, truly give their life to Christ, coming out of many, many different denominations, and step into the power of the Holy Ghost, and overnight they're transformed. Amen? Because that's what the true baptism of the Holy Spirit is. You learn to trust the Spirit and not a system. You learn to trust a supernatural um, calling of Christ to go into the world and preach the gospel with signs and wonders following you. Okay, which is much different than what you're trained to do just going into, you know, go to a church on Sunday. Um, and so, guys, I just, I pray for you. I pray for you all um, that the Lord, that the, that the power of the Spirit in dreams and visions would speak to you directly. Um, that you would properly position the Holy Spirit as the highest value in your life, the highest value in relationship. And that you would... Um, recognize the Bible as a tool not something you worship but something the Holy Spirit references to reveal what the Lord meant when he actually spoke thing, things years ago um, I pray in Jesus name that you would truly find who you are in Christ and that, that your true identity would be revealed through the Holy Spirit through, through, through your encounters through your prayer time through learning to rest in the presence of the Lord um, in your prayer time. In Jesus' name, Lord, I take authority over every demonic doctrine, every demon that, that uh, weighs men down with depression, anxiety, and fear, for um, fear, fear related to not achieving the conditions um, of the religious system, just like the Pharisees put heavy weights on the backs of men, saying you have to do this, you have to do that. Um, you have to stop this. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for those listening who are dealing with addictions. Lord, I break those addictions right now in Jesus' name. I break um, every addiction to pornography, every addiction to drugs, every addiction to um, money, every addiction to self-righteousness and appearance. I break those lies in the name of Jesus. I break the power of bulimia uh, working in women uh, with false identities and, and fear of men's views. I break those lies in the name of Jesus. And I just I just release um, the power of the Holy Ghost upon you in, in Jesus' name. I, I Lord, for every person who's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, Lord, I release the power of the Holy Spirit upon them in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the grace of your presence, Lord, position them to experience your glory. I pray that they would have level five uh, yada intimate encounters with you that would um, profoundly uh, change their life and change their family. Lord, that they would reproduce, Lord, as you prophesied that your church would reproduce in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that there are people listening right now that they would be demon hunters, they would be demon slayers, that they would actually go from synagogue to synagogue, church to church, casting out demons and calling a lie, calling false theologies a lie from the devil because they confidently discern by the voice of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Lord, let this grace fall upon those listening in Jesus' name. All right, guys, have a great week. 
pray hard, pray, pray like you have a purpose, pray like you have an intent, um, and uh, reach out to me. Those of you who still have questions, reach out. Um, we're, still, we're still scheduling events. Um, look forward to, to meeting some of you, and amen. All right, have a great day. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.